feedback that you'd like to give me i hope you give me that feedback you can go to rankinreview at gmail.com that's r-a-n-k-n-r-e-v-i-e-w at gmail.com you can send me any feedback you have any information you want to give me any stories you want to tell any episodes you want to suggest i would really welcome any kind of feedback for rank and review you can also find the show on iTunes, you can find the show on Facebook, and if you were to leave me a like on Facebook or a comment on Facebook, your host and Random Canadian will see that. I will actually watch, watch and see those responses. And if you were to leave me a review on iTunes, give me a, a four or five star review, that's really helpful in getting new listeners to the podcast. You're genuinely helping me and the show if you to do that, so uh, I hope you give a, a thought to doing that. A mouse click for a like on Facebook is great for my morale, and like I said, a two-sentence review on iTunes with four or five stars attached to it. That would be so appreciated. But, enough of me trying to get you to do stuff for me. Let's, let's settle in. Let's, let's hear what Ashley has to say about six horror movies. It's your show. It's my show. You can't. It's your take show, it from and you me. can do what you want with it. So, Ashley Pachkowski. Hey, Larry. She's back, and she's better than ever. <laughs> In the purely metaphorical sense. Yes. We uh, when last we spoke, we did the crazy eighties. Yeah. But uh, way back when the Earth was still cooling, at in, the beginning of time, in rank and review history, we did an episode called "Subtitled Scares," which I'm personally a big fan of. Which, unfortunately, iTunes users don't seem to be a huge fan of. When I do a, a link on the popularity yeah. of the episode, unfortunately, subtitled scares ranks well, dead last. We'll see how this one does. Like, maybe it's just me. Look, <laughs> here's the thing, though. I don't care. I like subtitled scares. <laughs> me too. And uh, as much as, uh, you know, I've had some pretty lowbrow stuff on the show lately, I like to pretend that I'm somewhat, you know, <laughs> cinematically literate and sophisticated in my approach to some of these films. And it's funny, we give foreign films more respect. We just do. Yeah. 
If it's got subtitles, it's somehow just better. If it's good enough to have crossed that language divide to a point where we even might see it, yeah. it must be good, right? S someone's going to take the time to translate this into English. Clearly, this is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Sometimes they're not amazing. I will, I will, I will concede that. There's a couple of lower points in this list yeah. for me. Uh, so I don't think overall it's as strong a list as the first subtitled sta scares, but it is a pretty interesting list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember I talked to you on the phone like a week ago. I asked if we were still friends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess. Always. But, but... <laughs> I know that you're not typically big into the horror as a rule. You were sort of finding it later, right? Yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like this time you got the deep end of the pool a little bit more. Very. <laughs> So, so, I don't know. We'll see if we're going to match or not. Yes and, yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> You've surprised me in the past. I seem to remember a little movie called The Midnight Meat Train, which I was I worried... I loved The Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> like, she's going to think I'm gross for making her watch this movie, and you're like, right on board. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, is there anything you would like to say uh, by way of introduction, or about subtitled scares, or about... Anything in particular? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I was, yeah, I, I had such a good time reading movies. <laughs> the first time I was on the podcast, when I was looking at, you know, options of things to do again, I was like, yeah, this, this one. one. Well, uh, I only had two subtitled scares, like, options from, like, episodes, but I'm creating a third one. Sweet. So if you want to go around three on subtitled scares, you can, but uh, you've used them all up so far, so... I guess I, I guess I have to get more movies. Oh, it's no. Ashley's fault, but I just have to get more I'm movies. I'm so sorry, Larry, to have brought this terrible, terrible quest upon you. Well, it's a difficult world for collectors these days. Mm -hmm. HMV Canada's closing. So where do I go to buy good movies? Yeah. Like, I've got Walmart and Best Buy in Saskatoon, and that just ain't going to play no, it. No, you're, you're stuck with the internet now. And yeah, I can order stuff online, but I like going through the stacks. I like finding stuff. Yeah. It's just not fair, yeah. Ashley. Like, especially movies like we're going to talk about this week. You know, they don't sell the pack no. or, you know, <laughs> Shudder at, at Walmart. I've never seen it. I will never nope. see it there. So it's a trying age for us collectors of the physical medium. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I realize that I'm a dinosaur. I'm like, <laughs> when I was a kid, the weird perplexed way I would look at my uncle who had thousands of records. What are you doing with those records in a world of CDs? Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing with Blu-rays and DVDs in this digital age, but I'm I'm clinging to it. <laughs> but your computer's never going to crash, so you lose them all. Yeah. Like, there's that. <laughs> there's that. And there's, yeah, I don't trust Netflix. I don't trust all of these services. I don't. Mm -hmm. Like, if I want to watch Jaws, I want to know I can just press play and watch Jaws, right? Fair. not saying which service is, is holding it, but none of this is what we're here to discuss, Ashley, but... <laughs> What we are here to discuss uh, is six subtitled scares. We are going to discuss Night Watch from Timir Bekmemenov. This was supposed to be the first of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. It ended up just being two movies because Bekmemenov got sort of romanced over to the United States. Alas, we're going to do a ghost story called The Eye, a psychological thriller called The Vanishing, I don't know what the hell you would call it, Tokyo Zombie. <laughs> we'll find a term when we talk about it. When we it. get there. <laughs> uh, we have an infamous Asian extreme thriller called Shudder, and we'll wrap it up with a 
little motion picture called The Pack, which is not about dogs. There's a, a new movie that just came out recently called The Pack, which I presume is about wild dogs. But this is the French Pack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Le, Let's do this, Le girl. Pack. Le, Le Pack. Le Pack. <laughs> it began over 1,000 years ago. When a truce was struck between the protectors of light and the warriors of darkness. For centuries, that delicate balance has always been guarded by the underground forces of the Night Watch. Today, The balance of power is about to shift. When you sit down to watch Night Watch, I think one of the very first things that you'll notice is that it's visually amazingly mounted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the the scale that they're going to present to you as far as the images and as far as, like, the story. It's going to span through time and it's going to span through dimensions. Yeah. And every single character in the movie is, like, this supernatural superhero. Mm-hmm. We have a group that sort of represent the light who are very shady, (laughs) and a group that represent the dark, who are also very shady, but not unsympathetic. Mm -hmm. And a delicate balance is being maintained, or has been maintained for centuries. But as the story goes, a child is to come into the world that is going to be so popular, or so powerful, not popular. (laughs) Popular too. And popular. Powerful and popular. He's going to be so powerful that whatever side he lands on, the white or the dark, is going to tip the balance over. So we've got supernatural Jedi shit happening here. Yeah. <laughs> and over and above that, we are introduced into the world through this character of Anton, who, when we meet him, is this pathetic guy, uh, you know. Such a schmuck. Yeah, he looks awful, he's doing something awful, and he gets sort of a window into a world that he had no idea yeah. existed. And it changes his life. And not only does he find out, you know, that he is going to be, he's one of these people, and he's going to be sort of enforcing for the light but that his son is this foretold yes. child and what is to be done about it. So that is Tamir Bek Memonov's Night Watch. I think, I mean, obviously I can support it visually, but mm-hmm. does there, is there enough story here to back up those visuals? I think so. Um, I, it has, like, as you said, like the classic Jedi shit going on, uh, <laughs> mixed in with a weird sort of Wes Anderson different perspective on everything and some like Ghostbusters comedy uh, <laughs> and rather than getting Anton's like origin story and learning like how he learns to be an agent of the day watch mm. we just we just jump and then he just is and yeah. then he's just like hung over from not being able to drink blood all the time and <laughs> muddling through this thing that is way above his pay grade and it was a fantastic ride yeah 
I think I definitely agree with the Ghostbusters vibe more than the Wes Anderson. I'd have to watch it again to pick up yeah. the Wes Anderson. There were just like some angles and some like two shots that were really. There's some quiet absurdity to it. Yes, maybe <laughs> but, that. Uh, um, but definitely the Ghostbusters on on like speed, <laughs> like when they have that super rigged truck and they're driving through what is it Moscow or yeah. whatever this this city just plowing down the streets at ridiculous speeds. Um, yeah, you kind of get this goofy fun vibe, but I think it's taking itself a little bit more seriously than that. I think that it is trying to be just this amazing visual mm-hmm. spectacle adventure, and I think that it's mostly successful in that. Largely. My, like, I mean, we'll get back to reviewing the film, but I yeah. think what, what, what's sad to me about Nightwatch, there's a sequel to it called Daywatch, which I reviewed with Damien, and we both loved it. I think I saw it at one point, and I loved it, too. Right. And... <laughs> But there's no third chapter. If you watch the trailer for Nightwatch, it says the beginning of an epic trilogy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's a little bit of an unfinished trilogy. Now, I do think that Nightwatch and Daywatch stand by themselves, and I think they're both really cool. Yeah. But part of me is just sort of haunted by the fact that we could have had that third piece. There was yeah. no misstep. I think it went pretty smoothly. It was yeah. an interesting world, uh, heightened. Like, we've yeah. seen variants of this. Like... It kind of reminded me of the Constantine type of environment mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. there's this supernatural underworld, there's good supernatural people, there's bad supernatural people, but everybody is fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, where it does come into a little bit of headway for me is just uh, typical stuff that I find in this sort of MTV environment. Mm. Everybody's wearing sunglasses all of the time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the Matrix. They it's just... exclusively do their work at night. There's just no reason for it. Like, they could have made up a reason for it, but they mm-hmm. didn't, right? That's the thing about the Matrix. Like, everybody looks super crazy and cool in the Matrix, but they justify it in the story, yeah. right? It's not justified here. They just want everyone to be fucking bad. Come on. If you were a supernatural being, wouldn't yeah. you just go ahead and be fucking badass? Embrace it. Embrace it. Like, yeah, no, I see. There's a case to be made, actually, I know, but... <laughs> Um, what gets interesting to me too is our main character, Anton, is, (laughs) he works for the light, but he practices things fairly shadily. Yeah. And the way we're introduced to him, he is hiring a witch, for lack of a better word, to put a spell on his pregnant girlfriend so that the baby will be lost. Yeah. So this doesn't really make you want to be on his side, a hundred percent. Um... That said, I'm not sure, like, that he earns the hatred of his son that he gets at the end of the movie either, because <laughs> uh, he doesn't know that the boy is his until he meets him, yeah. and so he's trying to kind of get his head around that, realize the importance of the kid, realize what a delicate balance he is, but the kid seems to like him. Like, for me, like, all he had to do is go with that engagement, mm-hmm. right? And he doesn't, because he's constantly rushing off to, you know, patch holes and whatever scenarios going on. Uh, the kid gets neglected, the kid gets frustrated, and then when the secret gets spilled, the kid's like, well, I'm clearly dark, because fuck you, Dad. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of where Nightwatch ends, right? Mm-hmm. He's chosen the dark. So the balance is off, and it's off for the bad guys. Roll credits! <laughs> so, yikes, right? And again, it would be cool to see where this all led to. Mm-hmm. But what do we do have are great isolated scenes. I remember a, a surgery where a head vampire just reaches into Anton's stomach to yeah. fix whatever got mixed up in there. A very memorable fight with uh, 
a vampire that's jumping in and out of the gloom, mm -hmm. constantly stabbing Anton and basically forcing him to kill this creature yeah. in a very, again, visually spectacular way. Like, it works way more than it doesn't. Yeah. It's one of the rare occasions where I think I might like the sequel slightly more than the original. Daywatch is even a little bit crazier mm -hmm. than Nightwatch, okay. but there's something about it that seems to, it, it clicks into place a little bit more yeah. completely to me, but... Well, Nightwatch is spending some amount of its time setting everything up, and my vague recollection of Daywatch is that it's just go. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, there's a prologue basically saying, here's the MacGuffin of this movie, and we're off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's not dissimilar to the way this story begins, but I love that opening sequence. Super cool. Powers of good, powers of darkness, meeting on a some epic some bridge somewhere. 3,000 meter bridge. <laughs> yeah. Covered in a storm of crows, just... Um, that's the other interesting thing, uh, an arguably anticlimactic thing, this vortex that's being yeah. created in the city. Where, where do you <laughs> land there? I, again, I think visually it's, it's created quite cool. Mm -hmm. It's a funnel in the sky with all these birds spinning around it. It looks like a, a stationary tornado yeah. or something. Yeah. Supernatural violence. But it's all basically all being caused by this one woman. Mm-hmm. I think this is the trade-off that happens. They find this one super powerful woman, and they, they get her, claim her for the light, but they lose this boy. Yeah. But I don't know, I had this moment when I was watching the movie where I wasn't sure when the climax actually happened <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. Like, she suddenly realized that she was ch causing the vortex, so then the vortex went away. Yeah. Like she had an epiphany. He he made her realize that she'd cursed herself and she needed to forgive her so the vortex would go away and that's when the vortex went away, I think. So is this movie just all about mental illness? <laughs> <laughs> we go around pretending that we're miserable or, or, or terrible and that's the dark or we go around with this face <laughs> saying, we're super happy and everything's going to be cool and we're going to help you out, buddy. <laughs> But really, we're a little bit shaky, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you don't have to think that deeply about it. No, Because no. the movie is just going to be continually it'll, dazzling you. It'll keep moving. It just keeps moving. Just You just keep moving with it. It's fine. It's That's fun. right. That's right. But in a way, for the, quote, art house fair that a lot of people associate with, uh, you know, international cin yeah, cinema. Yeah, this is not. This is not. This is like a summer blockbuster yeah. action movie. And that is a good thing. Like, they don't always, you know, <laughs> have to be moving my soul. They don't always have to be, like, greedy Oscar picks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I could argue that this movie is basically a, a mix of borrowed elements. It's based off of a series of novels, which I haven't read, because I think they're German or Russian or mm -hmm. <laughs> something. But uh, the idea of the power of good and the power of darkness, you know... At a, at a standstill and something that's going to tip the scales. Yeah. Not exactly the most original thing in the world. But, but a solid universal storyline. And presentation, presentation, mm -hmm. presentation. Like, uh, I, I kind of think that Timur Bekmemanov could make almost anything visually cool. I, I reviewed his movie Wanted, which I said, like, it's an amazing thing to look at. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thing to look at. <laughs> And that is almost it. Like, you, know, you yeah. can just turn the, 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 the sound off and just look at that and go, wow. Yeah. I could say similar things about um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, the movie is amazingly visually mounted, but is empty. 
as all that. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when you recruit directors from overseas who are, mm-hmm. English is their second language. You look at a lot of John Woo's movies. He's a really technically amazing director, yeah. but he's not giving any story points, right? Yeah. He's just trying to make this look as cool as he possibly can. And I believe that Timur Bekmemanov can make things look as cool as he wants to. But I can't help but wish that he'd stayed home and finished his trilogy. Because as much as there is superficial joy in movies like Wanted and, <laughs> you know, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, there's more going on here yeah. in Nightwatch. There's something bigger about it. Absolutely. So, I mean, I get it. Come to Hollywood, make your make your money, but... Yeah. Maybe go home and fail it. finish your little trilogy. Well, that's the thing. Every year that goes by, that seems really less likely. Yeah. But we'll always have Nightwatch and Daywatch. Two out, <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Is there anything else you want to say about Nightwatch? I feel like I kind of ran no. you over there a little bit. No. Uh, I want to come back to this superhero angle, too, okay. because uh, we're going to talk about another movie where I feel like it's horror, but it's almost like a superhero mm-hmm. story. So uh, check out Nightwatch if you haven't, because it's worth your time. Yeah. Je m'appelle Raymond Lemorne. Je suis sociopathe et claustrophobe. Je n'ai jamais trompé ma femme. Ah. Gaby, le carbouchon, s'il te plaît, dans le tiroir. Ah ah Mais je m'empresse de vous dire que pour moi, le pire, ce n'est pas tué. In the late 80s, this director, George Sluzer, made a movie called The Vanishing. Um, At the time, I was fairly young, didn't watch a lot of foreign films. Mm -hmm. We had Super Channel. It was on. I didn't even think I know that it was a foreign (laughs) film when I I, sat Mm -hmm. down to watch it. The Vanishing taught a young Larry what people meant when they said psychological horror. Um... It's a movie that is disturbing. It's not that viscerally violent. No. In fact, there's very little violence in the movie. It is an examination of two men's psychology. One guy who is completely broken, <laughs> uh, has a family, has kids, has a life, mm-hmm. very successful, but also believes himself some kind of greater being. At one point in his life, he did a very heroic act. And for some reason, psychologically, he feels the need to balance the scales. So having done a great thing, he decides to do a terrible thing. That terrible thing, I'm sort of backing into the Mm -hmm. plot here, involves the disappearance of this young man's fiancé or girlfriend or... Or wife. wife. I was very unclear on the relationship. Very, very close. Like, obviously, it's a relationship that means a lot to him because she disappears from a gas station and he spends the rest of his life obsessing over Mm -hmm. what happened to her. It's as if she just got sucked out of the uh, into the sky, <laughs> like she just disappeared. Yep. And he is driven by this need to know what happened. And we get to know both men. We get to know the murderer, and we get to know the proxy victim. Mm-hmm. And we get to see these two things slowly come to, come to a collision. It's an interesting movie, and I think very, very strong. And more interestingly is that about... Seven or eight years later, he remade The Vanishing in the United States. Mm. 
and completely ruined it. Oh no. Like, completely ruined it. Oh no. Imagine your worst, worst complaint of like a Hollywood compromised ending. Oh no. And oh, that's no. what they did. No. 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 <laughs> right? <clears throat> so we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But first of all, what I want to say, the original Danish film, The Vanishing, chills my blood. It is a really creepy movie, and it really gets under your skin, and it did stick with me. Again, I saw it probably at a little bit of a too young age, even. <laughs> like, I don't know that I was ready to handle what this yeah. movie was going to do to me. <laughs> But motherfucker. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a big fan of The Vanishing. Um, I think we are going to have to get into spoilers, but before we go too mm-hmm. deep into that, what do you think? Uh, I think it's really well made. Okay. Um, I didn't connect I didn't connect to it on an emotional level, and I feel like that's a problem, and maybe that's a me problem, and maybe that's a movie problem, and maybe that's a timing problem, and maybe that's a French film problem. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. There, there are a multitude of factors that like might be, uh, but I think that the story is very strong. I think that the setup is very strong. I think that the ending is amazing. Devastating. <laughs> Just... I'm so, I'm so angry hearing about the remake now, because... Um, the ending saves the movie, if anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I my my main problem with the vanishing was that I could not get on board with our protagonist um, Rex, the main guy, making his decisions, making 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 his decisions, being an asshole to his girlfriend from the very beginning. I'm like, what? is the appeal here. I That's don't understand it. So. a strangely common thread that we're going to see in these movies. The mm-hmm. relationships being treated terribly. Both yeah. the men and the women treat each other terribly, just, generally just speaking, awful. through these movies. But I think for me, that guilt, the fact that he was being a bit of a dick yeah. and making her run into the store and being kind of dismissive of her, kind of feeds into the guilt that mm-hmm. he feels. Because mm-hmm. his thing is, I need to know. I don't even, after a point... It's not even whether she's alive or dead. It's just not knowing is making him crazy. And that it's driving him crazy is sort of energizing our sociopath. Yeah. What's so creepy and interesting about the sociopath character, I'm sorry I can't remember any names right now, but uh, he incorporates his family into his planning, right? He uh, he has a little picnic with his family out in the park, and uh, his daughter opens the drawer, and he's put a bunch of spiders in there. So she screams. She screams at the top of her lungs. And, and then they have a screaming contest. Absolutely. It's like, hey, kids, let's have a screaming contest, right? He knows no one can hear them when they're out there. They can scream yeah. all they want. No yeah. one's going to hear them. And he, his family doesn't know that they're, they're helping him no. do research. For but he, his... he's testing. Because the next day, he asks his neighbor, hey, did you hear? I was driving by. I heard some screams. Did you hear? anything he's like no no nothing at all it's like check mark yeah perfect yeah or if not involving his family just himself like the chloroform where yeah. he will he will drug himself <laughs> he'll soak the cloth in chloroform breathe it in hit the stopwatch pass out and when he wakes up click it off so that was about 40 minutes that plus you know, 40 minutes like Every part of his day some part of his mind is working on this master plan yeah and uh he reads to the rest of the world as a completely normal, completely pleasant person. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes it scary to me. That's what makes me believe it, because the 
cold truth, Ashley, is, is you don't know what's in my heart. I don't know what's in your heart. <laughs> right? And yet you've brought me to your creepy, <laughs> to my creepy basement, basement, not knowing what danger you might be in. But I'm sitting in the booth and you're sitting out of the booth. So if I was to attack you, you have a place to yeah. run. If you were to attack me, <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> so, but what I'm getting at, you don't know what's in yeah. people's heads and in their hearts. And that's what this movie does for me. It makes mm. me look at people and saying, yeah, that's what you say. But what do you mean? The flip side of the coin, the psychosis that our protagonist has, is that he finally meets this man. This man shows up and says, tell you what, you want to know what happened to your girl? You can know. I can mm -hmm. give you that. I can that, that itch that you've been trying to scratch all these years, I can give you that. But that means what happens to her happens to you. And the idiot says yes. And he, again, like, do you believe it? Do you not? It's one of those crux points in the movie. It's like, I, 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 I listen to a lot of podcasts, believe it or not, a lot of, like, people reviewing horror mm -hmm. movies and stuff like that. And what I get frustrated sometimes is when people fight the plot. You're reviewing Pet Cemetery, and you're like, <laughs> why would they live in a house right next to the freeway like that? Didn't they expect their kid to get run over? <laughs> why would they, like live so close to a pet cemetery that's so clearly evil that's so fake like yeah maybe but the story of the movie is there's a family mm -hmm. that lives by a haunted cemetery and bad shit happens right the story here is this guy is obsessed with finding yeah. out what happened to his fiance or whoever she was and uh I don't know. And, I and think, to its credit, it's entirely believable that that's the choice he makes. We believe it at the time less so in retrospect but but we like him don't know what he is in for. Yeah. We're going to go to Spoiler Town here. If you haven't seen The Vanishing, I really encourage you to watch it before you see this. <laughs> but uh, I kind of feel like the punch of the movie is the ending. Absolutely. One of the first things we learn about the sociopath is that he's a family man and a claustrophobe. He does not like tight spaces. Mm -hmm. And after saving this little girl from drowning, doing this great thing, in his head having to do a horrible thing would be to kill somebody. And his head the worst way that he could think to kill somebody would be to bury them alive. So our protagonist wakes up in a coffin and he lights his lighter and realizes that this is where he is <laughs> and there is not a fucking thing he can do about it. Yep. And we pan up and we see our sociopath having a picnic with his family over top of this fresh grave and presumably the older grave of his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And credits. And it's perfect. <laughs> There's a large percentage of holy shit, right? Like, and it feeds in so well to uh, the the sociopath's methodology mm -hmm. about everything that he has. He has found a murder technique that is not only like a terrible way to kill someone but disposes of the body at the same time. Yeah. And I respect that kind of methodology. It's airtight, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible. That, that, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> the, that is so fucking horrifying, Ashley. Like, and again, it, it just absolutely kills your expectations in a yep. lot of ways. Like, he's going to... I think at that point, we didn't necessarily believe he was going to rescue her. Years had gone oh, by. No. She was gone. But he was going to somehow salve his wound. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, if that itch that he had in the back of his mind was gone when he woke up in <laughs> that, that coffin, it was replaced by something much, 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 much worse. So, uh, can I tell you what happens in the yeah. American remake? Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland plays the guy who agrees to drink the coffee. Okay. Jeff, the dude, Bridges, plays the Ooh. sociopath. And just like in the movie, Kiefer Sutherland wakes up in the coffin and starts scratching the lid and freaking out. And okay. I think he's going to die. <gasps> but his girlfriend, his new girlfriend, who in what? the original film broke up with him because he was so obsessed have. with his previous movie. <laughs> follows him and is able to not only dig him out before he dies, but to kill the Jeff Bridges character in an over-the-top, dramatic, cheesy thriller way while the score sings on. And Uh. I understand that there's a whole subgroup of people who, like, would see the original ending and would just put them right off of their food Mm -hmm. and would maybe even anger them. But when I saw the remake to The Vanishing... Anger wasn't even the right word. Like, (laughs) it was outrageous. Mm -hmm. And it's the same director. The same guy came back and completely shat upon his own work. I'm sure he got a good payday out of it, and it was cool to work with a real cast. One of Sandra Bullock's first roles is the woman who disappears. Like, there's cool faces in it. Mm -hmm. But don't. No. Sometimes you got to let that ending hit hard, you know? I don't think that, that, that... Halloween would be as big as it was if, you know, they killed Michael Myers and then the credits rolled, you know? Like, I don't think a lot of movies, a lot of horror movies that have that uncertain ending, Mm -hmm. you know, he's still out there, you know? People like that exist. People who are deeply insane Mm -hmm. exist. And I don't know, you know, what, what the screenwriter was going through that he managed to invent this absolutely horrifying scenario, but... Our psychopath or sociopath in this movie is not is it's, it's more realistic than any psychopath I've encountered. Like, yeah. I don't know, Kevin Spacey in Seven, this like these really elaborate, super hyper intelligent mm-hmm. super killers. I I don't even think he's super intelligent. It's that he spends his life obsessing about how yeah. to get away with this, and because so much of his life and energy is put into it, he does get yeah. away with it. And that's where the movie ends. That's where you roll the credits. That's where the movie stays with you. You know, the original Haunting is, I find to be a very memorable and disturbing movie, bordering on unpleasant. But I mean, I just I like the way we're handled by the filmmaker, and I like yeah. the sort of softness with which it's handled. Yeah, like, you know, there's a weird, weird restraint, low key vibe to this story. Mm-hmm. But the story is being told is horror. Is there anything else you want to say about banishing again? I feel like I'm mowing Not over here. Well, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just quiet today. It's worth a look. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The sensation that swept Asia has come to haunt America.
Pang brothers, as they are re referred to, uh, are the two that uh, wrote and directed this movie called The Eye, and I believe its first sequel anyway. Mm -hmm. They worked in Saskatchewan. They worked just outside of Regina on a little uh, ghost movie called The Messengers, oh. starring a then-unknown Kristen Stewart. <laughs> um, and they are technically really interesting filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Like uh, They kind of remind me, actually, of James Wan from the United States, who does these insidious movies and the Conjuring movies, where uh, they have really calculated boo moments mm -hmm. in their films, but... Because they know what they're doing and they know how to set them up, they yeah. can really jump you. And yeah. a lot of times I figure a cheap jump scare is a cheap jump scare. I, it's kind of doesn't work for me. I figure you're, you're scaring me because you don't know how to tell a story right now. <laughs> so we're going to lose a few minutes while someone slowly walks down a hallway mm -hmm. and then gets, boo! You know, their friend, their cell phone goes off and they jump or whatever. Yeah. It's not like that here. It's camera moves, it's perspective. Mm -hmm. And specifically perspective because our main character was this blind woman who gets surgery to get her vision back. Yeah. And as she is getting used to all the new sights and sounds of the world, she realizes that she doesn't just see what's there. She also sees things that aren't there. <laughs> Ghosts, portents of the future, yeah. angels maybe. <laughs> um, and that's where I wanted to talk to you, where I had this thing about two-thirds of the way through the movie where mm. I thought... Change this story just slightly. Yeah. And this is the origin story of a superhero. Yeah. This is like some sort of Asian daredevil Constantine chick. Yeah. Right? Just give her some fight skills and... Oh, man. <laughs> she can talk to dead people. Yeah. She can see the future. She can get intel from these beings, whatever mm -hmm. they are, interdimensional or between life and death. Yeah. Escorts, whatever they are. They're cool. <laughs> Um, so I think it's an interesting movie. I think mm -hmm. it's a cool movie, and uh, the idea, the plot of someone who sees dead people, yeah. we've seen before, and I will concede that point. Yes, you've seen this movie before, mm -hmm. but I don't know if you've seen it quite as well executed. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing that comes to it would be, I guess, The Sixth it, Sense. That was the, <laughs> right. the, the nearest analog for me. Um, but but it's, it's so differently done. Yeah, and I think the blindness really helps us mm -hmm. when we see her perspective on the world. Uh, and because she used to be able to see, so she knew what she was missing when she lost yeah. her sight. So she also knows that the stuff that shouldn't be there is there. Because that's a whole other angle you could go. If she'd been blind her whole oh, life. Oh, man. She'd have no idea. <laughs> she'd be, like, casually trying to discuss the ghost woman licking her dead husband's food stuffs. And someone would be like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I think that maybe you hit your head a little harder than we realized, <laughs> right? And that's the other thing it reminded me of. Uh, I'm, I'm totally failing my classics here, but there's the... Uh, Greek myth about the woman who was given the gift of oh, um, seeing the future, but the curse that no one would believe. Is that Cassandra? Her. Let's say it's I think, Cassandra. I think it's Cassandra. You seem like a sharp kid. I yeah. think it's Cassandra. Yeah, but, uh, taken to uh, Agamemnon and telling the future, but no one could. No one will believe, believe her. her. I, I, I can see ghosts. I can tell something terrible is going to happen. You really need to listen to me. No, 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 no. <laughs> and. It's funny, because when you see those scenes in a movie, usually you find them really frustrating. Yeah. Why don't you believe her? But you, me, probably anyone we know. Someone came up to me and said, I'm seeing dead people. 
<laughs> and they're telling me that uh-huh. there's a catastrophe coming in the future. And uh, like, okay, yeah. okay, uh, we're I, gonna get in my car. <laughs> I'm gonna take you to the hospital. <laughs> We're going to talk to some nice doctors, and they're going to hook you up with some medication for that. That real gentle voice, the smile, and the nod, and the slowly backing away from them. It's authentic, but it's funny how frustrating we find it when we see it in a movie. You're just like, listen to her. Because we know they're telling the truth. But you and I wouldn't believe her, Ashley. No. So uh, I've I've tipped my hand. I'm a fan of the eye, but I'm here to hear what Ashley has to say. Uh, I I thought it. I thought also thought it was quite well done. Um, it's wasn't uh, a like terrible terribly new story, as you said. Like it no. felt like things like a mash of a few things that I'd seen before. Um, the I kept along really well with it until like the third act when they go to the hometown of the woman who had whose eyes had been donated and um they start like sixth sensing this this poor ghost who's trapped in her own loop and i'm like okay okay this is cool this is a detective story you're gonna find out what this is and what you're dealing with and then then they find this thing they find out what's going on with her and they solve that i'm like okay that's that's great that's a perfectly satisfactory ending and then there were about two more endings after that and it lost me yeah we saw the ghost we understand what led to her fate but that doesn't necessarily solve her problem yeah and then what does solve her problem is both very climactic and very anticlimactic Mm -hmm. because if we go back with the superhero analogy you know She has this great power, and with great power comes great responsibility, (laughs) right? But she doesn't like it. Yeah. It's terrifying, and it's causing her a lot of problems. So the fact that she was not able to save all these people from an explosion or a catastrophe, I don't know if she knew specifically what it was going to be, but she knew something terrible was going to happen. Yeah. And she fails at saving them. And not only does she fail at saving them, it costs her her eyesight again. (laughs) And this is what this is sort of what lands us in a in a happy place when we get to the end of the movie is that <laughs> she solved her problem by turning her back on her yeah. power and going back to being this blind and, musician. And that was not satisfying to me. She needed to get her, her cape she, and her tights and, and fly up into the her tights or like just, you know, quietly like she helped the ghost of the woman who had donated her eyesight just like Quietly go about and help the ghosts you can and try not to worry too much about the ones you can't. Yeah, oh, but... and that's the thing where I think that because there's been so many industry standard ghost stories, and we're going to be talking about another one later on, uh, they always feel the need to give us that extra twist, that yeah. ring twist, right? Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen The Ring, but very much similar idea. There's a ghost that wants something. Our characters find the ghost, release her, and think, yay, we've won. And no, no, you just yeah. released that evil spirit. She wanted out of there because, <laughs> you know, she wanted to do more evil and not be stuck in the bottom of a mm-hmm. well. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Right. There's always that extra twist. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's less devastating, but I will agree that it feels a little less finished or like less it felt satisfying. Like, it felt like it was resetting to yeah. the beginning of the movie and for me. And that's... There is the I2 and 3 and it's not going to go back to the same character. It'll oh, be okay. another character that's going to have a similar affliction. Okay. So, and you know, you can go on endlessly like that. I go, I get not trying to paint yourself into a corner, but it's more like how the movie's executed. I, I don't speak the language, <laughs> but I definitely believe that the acting is strong, Absolutely. especially from our lead character. Yeah. And when the movie wants to creep you out, it does. I was strangely off put. 
I don't know if it's in a good or bad way, but the little boy in the hospital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I felt like I knew what mm -hmm. that character was going to be the whole time, so there wasn't an interest to it. It was like, it's going to be sad when yeah. he dies, but that's... He's a, he's a kid dying of cancer, and yeah. she's going to have some conversations with him while he's alive, and she's going to have some conversations with him when he's dead, mm -hmm. and then he's going to leave the movie. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just him, this little bald kid. I mean, it was partly him, but the, that emissary that was always standing behind him, where we couldn't really see his face... Mm -hmm. And uh, doesn't really refer to him that much. It's just like when it's time to go, that guy starts walking and he just follows. Yeah. And it's like it, it gives you a window into a whole other world that this movie could be going in. And that maybe some of the sequels will. Who knows? But like there's big things to explore mm -hmm. here. And I guess the afterlife is what really interests me. In a way, I wish she could get over her fear and yeah. face the afterlife because... It's the same thing I'd say about myself, you know. I don't believe in ghosts, but part of me wants to believe mm. that there are ghosts. But there's that other part of me that says if I walked into that room and said, oh shit, there's a ghost, like, what would that do to me? Yeah. What would that do to me? <laughs> like, would I be able to, like, speak to this thing? Would I, like, just leave a cartoon human-shaped hole in the wall <laughs> as I flee? Like... Uh, would I just completely lose my mind? Just my reality would be so broken. There's a lot of interesting things to go with here. Mm -hmm. And uh, what this movie has for you is boo. Yeah. And I, it, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting if we got past the boo. But that said, the Pang brothers, they can bring the boo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I did like... As you said, a lot of the scares were a lot of jump scares. But I didn't resent them because no. they were... Because they were well done. And usually, not always, but usually not false scares. Yeah. Usually when she jumped, there was something scary there. Yeah. It's the random cat jumping out of the hamper shit. <laughs> Hisses me off. It's or the fair. cell phone going it's off. Fair. Or the friend showing up at inexplicably, oh, I was trying to tell you something. Just like showing up out of nowhere to yep. just make us <laughs> That shit pisses me off. Mm -hmm. Where I will give them points with the eyes. They earned their scares. <laughs> they earned their scares. Yeah. And there is some real technical expertise and these are the type of great filmmakers that we get to work in saskatchewan before our premiere destroyed the film industry once upon a time <laughs> oh so long ago <laughs> just wanted to sharpen my ass on brad wall's head just a little bit there because i know he's a big fan of the podcast mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know what else i want to say about the eye is there anything else you want to I say i feel like we've talked about the eye okay there it is boom about a bizarre motion picture here <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> tokyo zombie here's the thing uh, i've recently kind of been drag kicking and screaming a little bit into the world of manga okay i uh i it love i, I, I don't know if you've noticed but uh, i i tend to enjoy the horror genre yes 
and uh, I got turned on to this Junji Ito guy. Okay. Does a lot of Twilight Zone-y, weird, mm. short mm-hmm. manga horror stories, and I like the man's shit. So I'm warming up to manga. All right. Always like me some kung fu fighting. I'm I'm down for a big action kung fu martial arts spectacular. Yeah. Sign me up. Okay. And you know that I love me some zombies. Mm-hmm. So. Why is it that a movie based on a manga that is about two kung fu fighting guys in a zombie apocalypse is a movie that I despise? Because it's just not good. (laughs) There's nothing about this storyline that makes any kind of internal sense. There's nothing about the characters that keeps to make you invested in their survival. Uh, There's a lot of the humor that I don't know if it's just not my thing or if I'm losing a lot in translation you took that thought out of my head Ashley like a lot of times people would say stuff or a scene would happen and I would be like huh (laughs) (laughs) like is this a hold for laughter moment is this a lost in translation Mm -hmm. moment did the translation not air but there are two running themes about these two best friends. One guy's constantly bugging the other about the fact that he had been raped by a school teacher. Yeah. As in, he says it in a teasing way. He could just have the face of a guy who's been fucked up the ass. He says, <laughs> And then uh, we have this, during the second half of the movie, this sort of subplot where, I guess his wife, this woman who yeah. he kidnapped and now lives with and has a child with, uh-huh is constantly referring to him as a retard. Yeah. And at no point, again, we're talking about in the previous movie how the relationships, a lot of them are really, really, like, a lot of a lot of anger, a lot of, like, you wonder why these people are together. Yeah. There's they're, they're sparks flying off of them, like, they're angry at each other all the time, but somehow they're, we're supposed to believe that there's a credible relationship here. And it was a little bit problematic in The Vanishing, but to me, like I said, mm-hmm. they used it to feed into his guilt. Yeah. Here... I don't know why she's with him. I don't know why he's with her. And I don't know why the movie's supposed to make me feel like... I had the feeling like I was supposed to be touched when their daughter finally said the first words. And she told her dad to shut up, retard. And this was supposed to be not just a funny moment, but kind of like a charming and like heartwarming yeah. one. What, what the, the fuck? fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> and like... There's a there's a scene earlier in the movie with guys like disposing of a body of a little boy and he's like disappointed that the boy's dead because he otherwise he could have sex with it. Again, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be funny or not. Yeah. <laughs> like I I th- I think it was. I think there were so many like jokes and scenes based around adult men being complete perverts yeah. that that must be a thing. Mustn't it? I don't know. And then, so I, I tried to get my head around it. It's like, okay, this movie's smarter than I am. There's something going on here that I'm missing. And then I start thinking about these two guys, and I guess if there's a plot, <laughs> these two guys work at some sort of factory next to a giant garbage heap. Yeah. But they don't really work. They just spend all day practicing their martial arts mm-hmm. on each other. And they're rolling around on the floor, wrestling each yeah. other, sweating, grunting, and making fun of each other for being fags. Right? So then I think, okay, well, maybe maybe this is sort of a thing. Like, these two guys love each other. They actually want to be with each other, but they just can't be with each other, so they have to act out these yeah. lives of, like, ridiculous assholes. And then I realized, Larry, you're giving this movie <laughs> way, too, <laughs> way much too much credit. And, like, okay, maybe I haven't read the manga that it's based on, so, so maybe they're being authentic to that. But here's another note. 
if it's a real important character trait to one of the main characters of the movie that they're bald, mm-hmm. get an actor who's willing to shave his yeah. head or hire a bald actor. Yeah. The fact that this dude was wearing like the worst, worst bald cap for the whole movie and that everyone was just on board for this. It was like, if he's not committed enough to shave his head, no. then hire somebody else. No, like, it was like a two hour long Saturday Night Live skit <laughs> that just went off the rails. And just... I, I don't know if it's a visual thing because the one guy has this weird afro hair going on yeah. and the other guy has like just hair on the side of his head. <laughs> I like... And the, the the tone shift. The first half of the movie, we got, I guess, what could maybe vaguely be described as a, quote, buddy comedy. Yeah. But, again, they're not very nice to each other. And the second half of the movie all of a sudden gets, like, Mad Max, sort of, like, post-apocalyptic, you know, the world's gone to shit, and we have these gladiator fights yeah. between uh, fighters and zombies because... The few remaining survivors, all portrayed by women. Yeah, middle-aged women. Yeah. Middle-aged, wealthy women. All seem to survive the... and remain just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the guy who hosts the show was aggressively sexual towards our main character. And uh, I don't know if this is supposed to be funny. Like, hey, I don't, I don't know how to take any of this. It's, it's not an easy movie to get your hands on, and yet it's too easy to get your hands on. <laughs> It's one of those things, like, I, I saw it cheap, probably, and it's like, oh, Tokyo yeah. Zombie. All right. Martial arts, zombies, this will be like, worth a few dollars. it dog. sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and, or, or, like, it should just be so absurd and yeah. so out there and such a cartoon that I can just say, okay, well, you're not going to see a movie like Tokyo Zombie, because you're not. But just because you're not going to see a movie like it doesn't mean that you would want to. No. Sometimes there is a reason for these things. Because <laughs> I would love to hear it, and there's not a lot of, like, I, I did a little digging around the internet to see people defending the movie. There's certainly people who like the movie more than we do, but mm-hmm. the manga seems to be respected a lot okay. more than the film seems to be dis- respected. Uh, I would love someone to explain to me, like, what, what the... I missed. Because I'm just going to say that I must have missed something. I don't think the movie's smarter than me, but, like... <laughs> There's a satirical edge or something that if I grew up within the culture mm-hmm. of the people that this movie was made for, that this would ring to, to. But I gotta say, retard has become a real trigger word for me. Yeah. And, and, and it's just rung again and again and again and again and again by his wife and eventually his little girl. Yeah. And it becomes supposedly some kind of term of endearment. I wish that I was right, that this was like an Asian Brokeback Mountain, and that when they were fighting <laughs> each other in the midst of that zombie thing, they mm-hmm. realized the truth of who each other were, oh, and the fight turned into an embrace, <laughs> and all the women watching the fight just were like, what is happening? <laughs> it would have all been so uh, worthwhile. It uh, reminds me of, I'm not a wrestling fan, I don't know if you've ever been had a boyfriend or someone who made you watch wrestling no. or something like this, but uh, before a match, a lot of times they'll, they'll have this like face-off between the wrestlers where they get really macho and get right in each other's grill. Just once, actually. <laughs> just once. I want to see these two great men in spandex get nose to nose and just... Just, just, just get it fucking over. <laughs> just work that shit out. If not in the ring, in the bedroom. <laughs> that might have been the one thing that could have salvaged Tokyo Zombie. Because it's post-apocalyptic, zombie, mm-hmm. martial arts, mm-hmm. humor. Mm-hmm. I like all of those things. Mm-hmm. 
I'm warming up to manga. I'm dyslexic, so reading left to right is okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I kind of figured it was a safe bet yeah. when I picked it up. Like, now that DVDs are so dirt cheap, like I can spend two or three bucks on a movie I haven't seen and not really like, feel like I'm it, gambling yeah. too much of a risk, right? Please. <laughs> please. Please do not watch Tokyo Zombie. It's an ugly, unfunny experience. Mm. I don't even know that it's technically well executed. Like, I have a feeling like there was some budget to the movie, but, mm -hmm. like, th there's a weird clownish aspect to yeah. it. When one guy yeah. jumps out of a car into a river, he makes this little Bugs Bunny sproing sound yeah. when he hops out of the car. Uh, one scene will be asked to be just laughing and rolling around and, and, and thinking that it's hilarious. The next scene, deadly serious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, when I say that they kidnap this woman who becomes his wife, that, that that's pretty much the that case. Is, that is literally what happens. He rescues her. She is in danger when they first see him. The bald guy, you know, kills the people who are threatening her yeah. and then literally scoops her up, throws her in a fireman carry, and runs to the car and basically says, we're going to take her with us to Russia. That's not romance. No. That's no, kidnapping. It, it absolutely was. And she was in no danger. <laughs> well, not once the zombies not were gone. Not once the zombies were gone. And then she stays with this guy. And she has a kid with this guy. Yeah. And she refers to him as a retard. And uh, he fights zombies all day to supply them their living. And she spends her day just actively hating his guts. Like, I don't know. There's nothing to hold on to here. If it was a bromantic comedy, like I yeah. said, I might be able to say, you know, there's some stuff lost in translation, but it was pretty bold that they went there, but they didn't go there. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. There was no point to this movie. Agreed. <laughs> So Shudder is probably the most, I guess, in quotations, mm -hmm. typical ghost story that we've encountered out of this list of movies. Yeah. And as I've reviewed a lot of ghost stories for the podcast, <laughs> that's a good and bad thing. Okay. Um, in the early aughts, or sort of coming around this time, where the Ringu, like we said, were coming out, we had a lot of supernatural thrillers coming out of this area of the world, mm -hmm. and a lot that specifically seemed to deal with uh, modern technology. Mm -hmm as uh, a window okay. into the supernatural world. In The Ring, it's a VHS tape, or, or the operation in the eye. In this case, we have a photographer and his girlfriend who are coming back from some sort of wedding party or something, yeah. 
where all of his asshole friends are hanging out talking about being assholes. <laughs> a lot of proud assholes in this group Very. of six movies. Anyway, uh, they hit a woman on the road with their vehicle. Mm -hmm. And in the panic of the moment, or so it seems, yeah. he encourages, he encourages her, to, her keep to just going. keep going. And we're drunk. This is a, we've made a real mess for ourselves. Uh, subsequent to that, he discovers images within his photographs he's taking of some of his friends and just random images where phantom ghostly images is are starting to happen and his friends are starting to die mm -hmm. these mysterious terrible deaths and what could this be must we who and, what yeah. spirit must be appeased and his girlfriend becomes obsessed mm -hmm. with finding out who this figure in all of his photographs is which makes sense and especially because she was driving the car yeah. so she feels personal responsibility and i think it's that twist in the movie that works for me the most mm -hmm. the fact that she's running on an engine of guilt of something that she believes that she has done yeah. wrong and that the reversal of the movie is that the wrong that is done was not by her yes it was by not completely unsurprisingly her boyfriend, the photographer, yeah. to which most of the supernatural uh, activity has been centered. Yes. Again, the execution here is what really makes it work. Mm -hmm. I think some of the images are really, really strong. Yeah. But I also like this idea, and if, if it comes off a little bit sexist, I apologize, but it's really possible to meet the wrong woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, the wrong, wrong. woman. <laughs> Uh, and she does not deserve what happens to her. I'm not no. making that case at all. But no. there is something absolutely chilling about the revenge being dealt out. There, there is. So uh, I like Shudder. And again, sort of like what I was saying with the eye, it's a movie made out of a bunch of familiar elements. Mm -hmm. But it does stand alone there, by itself. It's very strong. It's very strong. And, and it is a lot of, like, even I as a relative noob to the horror thing do see that there's a lot of elements that have been used or were used but they're combined so so solidly in this film uh, like i'm getting chills just <laughs> thinking about it again um the uh, i i found that i connected very well to uh jane the girlfriend right. uh character in in her like quest to like figure out what was going on and try and solve things um, and that I didn't see the end twist of the boyfriend being responsible it's funny coming too, too soon when you when you watch it the second time it almost feels like they're screaming it at you yeah it's a, it's a good sort of sixth sense thing it's like when Bruce Willis looks at the kid and the kid says, I see dead people. And they do a close-up on Bruce Willis' face. It seems like they're yelling the answer to you. Yeah. When we meet him, he's talking with his recently married buddy. And his recently married buddy is bragging about going whoring the previous evening. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way that they talk about women and treat women. Like, right out the gate, you get the you get a, a, a slimy vibe yeah. off of these guys. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't come out of necessarily the clear blue sky. And if you understand that he recognizes who that woman was when they hit her with the car, of course he's yeah. going to tell her to keep driving, because that woman has no business being there. No. <laughs> the reason she appeared out of nowhere in the middle of this road <laughs> is because <laughs> she appeared out of nowhere in the middle of this road. <laughs> yep. Uh, when they go to investigate the accident and no one... 
No one filed a complaint. No one showed up to the hospital. There was no reports of injury or death. It's because no one died. Nobody there, kids. This was the this was the uh, active action that sort of kicked open the yeah. door of this elaborate revenge. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. His guilt is all packaged into the camera, yeah. right? We're going to have to go into spoiler territory. Yeah. In order to talk about this, <clears throat> he and a bunch of his rowdy friends got under some sick fucking masculine spell, ended up tormenting, raping, and killing this woman. Yeah, (laughs) who he had secretly dated. And he'd had a past with her. And his participation in it was basically to document it. Yeah. On the camera. Yeah. And, like, in a way, to me, that's as disturbing as participating in it. Like, I get it. Like, it's a terrible thing that happened to her. I'm not defending any of them. (laughs) But in a way... He gets punished, I think, worse yeah, but than I, anybody else. But I, th- I think from the ghost perspective, that makes sense. Because she was still in a point in her relationship with him. him where she still liked him. She still trusted him. She expected him to, to coming upon his friends, brutally raping her in her own lab yeah. to help. Not to take pictures that would then be used to compromise her. Brutal. Br- I I was I was so rooting for the ghost by the end of this la- movie, Larry. And you were right too, right? <laughs> and uh, this idea of she's constantly rubbing his neck and constantly yeah. slouched over and constantly like, like you figured the stress. He's under the stress of this yeah. terrible situation, and the idea that this spirit is it's just, just riding him, hunched over, riding it on his back like a piggyback forever. Yeah. This presence that, whether or not anyone else knows is there, he will know is mm-hmm. there. A physical represented representation of his worst sin, perched on his shoulders like a fucking gargoyle, yeah. forever. Yikes! Yeah, the other guys were just killed, and in a way, like, <laughs> that kinda... seems like okay, <laughs> fair enough. I'm a horrible rapist. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be walking around in the world. You know, but the idea of living under that forever yeah. and um, it's the like, like the double entendre of the of the, the title, right? Shutter, mm-hmm. the camera shutter, or the shutter when you realize, yeah. oh, oh god, that's terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible fate. The hero of the movie is the, the, the our female protagonist, mm-hmm. and uh, it, we kind of I don't know because we're just bound to that tradition. The dude's going to be there to help solve problems. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> Actually, he caused all of the problems. Yeah. 100% his fault, and uh, it's arguable that he deserves his fate, but there's this, there's something so powerful about that last image where I can't say that I feel sorry for him, <laughs> but, like, it's chilling. It's, it's just yeah. bad. No, no, that, that she doesn't, e- that the ghost doesn't even kill him. No. That she she jumps him off a building so that he has to live with deficits and her beside him for the rest of his natural life. And the one girl that he might have actually felt something for sees who he is. Yeah. (laughs) Rightful comeuppance, (laughs) I say. No, absolutely. No tears are shed for this guy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yikes. The... uh, 
uh, hag imagery is really mm-hmm. strong in a lot of these sort of Asian horror films. I remember we talked about uh, A Tale of Two Sisters, yeah. the floating woman on the floor, the, the woman with the hair hanging over the mm-hmm. face, this sort of scowly, vengeful figure, right? Uh, there's something about female power that I think that <laughs> some for some reason <clears throat> Asian cinema finds very threatening yeah. and, and, and scary. But what's interesting is most of the time it's this sort of evil thing, whether or not... The revenge is maybe not deserved, you know? The difference with Shudder is that this spirit is carrying out Mm -hmm. evil acts, but she (laughs) righteously deserves vengeance. Like, she was fucking wronged. Yep. And uh, she may be doing evil things, but if she's evil, she was made into Mm -hmm. something evil. Uh, I think, like, the worst version of this and the more typical version of this would be he was going out with that girl. He broke it off. She went crazy because yeah. she was so in love with him. Killed, killed herself, herself and... and became this obsessive hag. Yeah. Right? And that's the story that we're used to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the story that we almost expect. And I think that's what makes Shudder kind of stand out a little bit. Long. Also because it's earlier in the aughts. We've mm-hmm. been seeing more and more and more of these. So it might be getting a little bit worn with use. But... Um, both Shudder and The Eye are sort of good examples of mm-hmm. that. I lean a little bit more towards Shudder because it affected me yeah. more emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are images. I, and the fact that they use the technology so well. Like, the photograph images themselves are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they are creepy. When she finds the camera at the end and it was pointed at the bookcase and she gets it developed and there's that, like, stop motion of the ghost crawling up it. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, it's great stuff and chilling stuff. And, like, we don't see the tongue of the ghost. Like, they're pretty reserved with what they show. So there's real impact when we do see it. Uh, That's a lot of mistakes that movies will make where, like, right out the gate before the credits are out we see the monster in full light and it's like there's no mystery well now we know we know what we're doing there's our adversary there it is you know no you gotta you gotta show us like it's eye or a glimpse of it going into the shadow Mm -hmm. or a little piece of it here or there use your creature in this case the ghost will be our creature you know sparingly and we will both want to see her and be more frightened Mm -hmm. of her have you ever seen Mama? No. Similar ideas. This really vengeful mother ghost spirit. And she is absolutely horrifying, brilliantly realized, and we don't see her very much. Good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like the technical angle a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I like that they really use the fact that he was a photographer and that whether or not maybe he was trying to feel like... You, you get the idea he didn't feel good about what had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not redeemed necessarily, but... That he's trying to be a good boyfriend to this girl and put that whole ugly chapter, yeah. that whole nasty bit of business, those little just, bit of growing pains that happened to cost some young woman her fucking life, right? Uh, he just want to just shove that into the back subconscious and pretend that he can bury it yeah. and it'll be fine. Yeah. But unlike the guy in The Vanishing who can sit and have a picnic with his family, with his two victims just a few feet away, he's not going to be able to. Um, here's my question, and I don't know the answer to it so I'm just going to float it to you if she had not manifested as this ghost do you Mm -hmm. think that he would have you know ever been able to recover himself from that act I I think as far as he was concerned he had recovered himself from that act it was done it was in the past it wasn't a thing that ever needed to be brought up again because I, I felt regret with his character and none of the other <laughs> characters. Like, yeah. 
none of the other characters, and I couldn't decide if we were supposed to feel a little bit of sympathy for him, or if, like, they were trying to imply that he was trying... But then why would he still be hanging out with these people? Yeah. You know, like... I, I think... Like, I didn't feel a whole lot of sympathy for him yeah. by the end, because for me, not intervening is as bad as participating. Absolutely. Um, well, worse, almost. Almost, <laughs> almost worse. Um, so so I, didn't, I didn't feel bad for him. Right. I didn't feel bad for him at well, all. I didn't feel bad and for I, him. And I, I just didn't feel like we got to know any of his friends either, Like besides like the one with the glasses who got married at the beginning yeah. and, like I think, crashed their apartment once because he was being driven mad by this... Spirit. Spirit. But. And again, like, those guys were all... <laughs> I felt like the movie was trying to treat our main character a little bit softer. Mainly because, like, again, with the expectation. Here's our main protagonist, yeah. we're supposed to like him. Yeah. Um, do I put that on him because he's our protagonist and I'm supposed to like him, or is it there? I guess is my question. Yeah. I think I think he was, like, a little like more likable. I think that... With with Jane being our real protagonist, the fact that she cares about him and that we connected really well with her, yeah. then we cared about him as well a little bit. Because it's almost the, how terrifying the spirit is is what makes the ending effective, as yeah. opposed to like with when we talked about the vanishing. When our, what happens to our protagonist is like that's just absolutely the worst thing that could happen. Whereas like this is something that this guy deserves. You know, mm-hmm. the other character in the other movie didn't deserve what happened to him. <laughs> he did. He deserved this 100%. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily satisfactory. Like, that's what you get, asshole. It's just like, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> You're going to have a long and miserable life. I, I, I had a different reaction, was which was, yes, yes, that's what you get, asshole. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, but I mean, fair enough. But like, and he deserves a long and miserable life. Again, I, <laughs> if I sound like I'm defending a rapist here, I want to no, be really careful no. because I am not. I'm just emphasizing that my reaction was more. <laughs> fair enough. Like, uh, it's just interesting from the cinematic perspective, you'd think that the audience would feel more punch to that moment if we felt bad for that character. I don't feel bad for that character, but I still feel a fucking lot of punch plenty, in that plenty moment. Plenty of punch. <laughs> and I think uh, a less good movie would have softened the character again, or he would have been riddled with guilt, and yeah. he would have been, you know, there would have been this elephant in the room that was obvious, because the revelations were not obvious. You know, we kept mm-hmm. on thinking we were going to, you know, the ghost was mad because they ran her over and abandoned yeah. her. Nope. nope. We're gonna, right, you the know, ghost was mad because his friends did something to her. Nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good movie. <laughs> Shutter gives good movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a familiar ghost story, but the execution is spot on.
So, French cinema has a reputation of like bringing really hard thrillers. I seem to remember us talking about a film. Hopefully, it was it we talked about I, mutants? Yes. Mutants. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, in that case, it was the French production post-apocalyptic zombie thing, mm-hmm. and I loved the make of the movie. I loved the feel of the movie, but it just didn't quite take me home. Yep. And it's strange because I feel almost exactly. <laughs> The same way about the pack. Uh, I understand why people have a lot of respect for these like hard French thrillers, and I mm-hmm. definitely understand how this is in that club. It's a little bit of a kind of French Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. Mm-hmm. This uh, pretty cool, pretty tough female protagonist yeah. picks up a hitchhiker, which you're not supposed to do in horror movies. <laughs> But she doesn't know she's in a horror movie yet. She starts being charmed with him and liking him, which is also flags, 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 flags. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She ends up pulling into this really disgusting diner slash scrapyard. Yeah. And her, you know, passenger disappears. And instead of shrugging it off, she decides to investigate Mm -hmm. and thus opens herself up into a whole world of terrifying, terrifying horrors. Instead of a family of cannibals, it's a family that, uh, I guess, keeps pet a pet group of demons Demon? or some kind in the backyard. That Monster they pe- mutant? They things? periodically feed them people that they've yeah. kidnapped from the restaurant. We're told that the main woman who runs the restaurant was driven mad because her sons died in a mine. Mm-hmm. And there's a story about, you know, corpses left to lie in mud for too long will turn into these terrible creatures so maybe in her head she's doing this to take care of her kids mm-hmm. but uh the performance given by that woman is so hateful <laughs> fucking hilariously like she's gives no shits not at just. all and that's where i land like her character doesn't give a shit at all about she will do anything to you with a big smile on her face yeah and she doesn't even hate you it's not personal (laughs) it's not personal at all she tries to keep in her good sort of merry mood while she just needs food human food for her kids that's all (laughs) but the whole series of terrible like things that she does to force feeding her that vial through the hose and like and to what purpose prepping her for this ritual was the only (sighs) thing that i could do but her detached sort of view on the whole perspective, I think, is mirrored a little bit in the production. Like, mm-hmm. it almost feels like this sort of detached scientific eye is watching this movie take place. Like, we're supposed to be non, not emotional oh. about what we're watching. We're watching this with sort of a distant indifference. Even when the, the score comes in, which is a fairly traditional horror movie score, mm-hmm. it's way quieter. Like, you'd expect it to be full up during the sequence, but the music is soft and in the mm-hmm. background. The camera moves aren't quick. They're slow, yeah. even during the action scenes. It's like, this is what happens. This is a cold, methodical study mm-hmm. on how someone sacrifices a person to demons. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's basically the movie. Yeah. yeah. That's basically the movie. And I, I will give high fives all around to the production value. And I think that the actors are strong. Mm-hmm. I think the story works, although it Ish, does kind almost. of feel like a little pointless at the end. Like, where we start to where we end yeah. up. So I'm going to give high praise to the production value yep. and, and the cast. Yep. I think that the, the script and the perspective mm-hmm. almost 
deliberately keeps pulling me out of yeah. the movie. Yeah. So a uh, mixed review on the pack for me, but what does Ashley? Yeah. Do? Uh, so so I was I was super on board with this movie for like the first two thirds right. probably, um, and then and then they escaped from the uh, like paddock where the mother had been holding this girl and they teamed up with the biker gang who tried to rape them in the second scene and that was probably about where it started to lose me yeah she because of i guess the evil that she was subjected to i mean uh you're forced to get your friends wherever you can in that position the bikers, the only reason that I bought that is they were immediately adjacent to where she was and they were armed. Yeah. <laughs> so. No. And, and like, I, I thought they, they did earn, like, teaming up with the biker gang. It was, it was an odd choice, but I could see it. But her character had been sort of shown to be tough and to be savvy. Yeah. And her trusting the son of this woman, the guy who she picked up in her car, who led her to this place yeah. so that this would happen to her. I did not it's buy it. no sense. Did not no buy sense. it at all. And the movie didn't really give me that scene where I understood why she bought it. I understood, I think he was playing it as a guy who, he's raised by this crazy woman, and he's seen this so much that This nothing, is just what we do. Well, but it's not like his mom, who she's mad and thinks this is the way business is done. Mm-hmm. I think on some level he knows that what's happening here is terrible. Yeah. But he has been so traumatized through his entire life that no emotions really register on his face. She tells him this huge, elaborate, kind of dirty joke at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And that's the closest to an emotion that we get, is he kind of breathes out his nose and nods to acknowledge the punchline of the joke that she just told him. But he's not particularly nice to her. He's got this weird, spooky aloofness that maybe Mm -hmm. some women could confuse with attractive. (laughs) But... He's After, nice looking. <laughs> like, even like she woke up in the cage, she wouldn't have known that she, he was involved. But when he saw her, him walk into the room and talk to his mom while she's in the cage and him not even fucking acknowledge her, no, you're off the friends list. In fact, <laughs> you're off the friends list and you're on I want to fucking kill you list. Yeah. Um, and then I got lost at the ending. Which is, I am not a person who gets lost in movies very right. often. But I wasn't sure whether she, whether our female protagonist had then teamed up with this guy and was living with him as his, like, and their That's thing. not how I interpreted or, it. <laughs> or if that was some, like, weird fever dream she was having as she was, like, finally hanging up, bleeding out to be fed to the mud monsters. Well, let's go spoilers, because I think that Please. we'll have to unpack it. But, yes, she escapes... From her initial prison, an investigator who was looking for a different missing person uh, uh, supplies an opportunity. And I thought that scene was pretty well handled. Mm -hmm. Uh, This old bumbling detective who looks like an idiot is kind of an interesting counterbalance to the woman who's running this restaurant. She seems like this harmless old lady, but she is dangerous. (laughs) And And this guy's way smarter than he seems. I like that interaction. Anyway, she gets out, uh, gets to the bikers to explain what's going on, but... Because there's only a limited few places that she could go, she's found out, and they sick the demons upon the biker mm-hmm. cabin. And we have this pretty fun Night of the Living Dead sequence where they're fending off the creatures, and our big bags bads get some comeuppance. But then things get a little bit hairy. Yeah. She does this ninja dive out the window, she hurts herself, and I remember thinking, 
I like that. I like that she didn't just dive out the window, brush herself <laughs> off, and run like you see in so many movies. Yeah. She ran like this with this weird sort of cowboy like hobble to her, <laughs> like like she'd unhinged her hip something in the yeah. fall. So she wasn't running super fast, but she was still running. So I could buy that the creatures were able to catch up to her. But then it seemed like the creatures were getting in front of her, and then it seemed like the creatures were hurting her, and then. She finally collapses, and the creature starts feeding on her leg, mm-hmm. and she blanks out. And we don't know where we are. What happened? Do we go to the future? Is she dreaming? And it's back at the restaurant, and the dude who she'd kidnapped, or who she'd picked yeah. up in her car, is there. And we were pretty sure that he'd just been killed a few scenes earlier. And she looks really obese or pregnant. It's hard to read. Yeah. It's almost like she's become the old mother mm-hmm. running the inn. I'm like, is it, what What happened? What changed? Yeah. Why is she suddenly the bad guy? What was the moment? Like, did the demons like, what, what? But What's then, the no. transition there? She wakes up from that. And is she still being eaten by the creatures? No. She's hanging upside down with one of her legs missing yeah. and blood dripping down her body and slowly covering her eyes. So, no, the demons are going to kill her, presumably the next night. We don't know why they didn't kill her directly then. We don't know what that dream was about. Yeah. It's just like, end credits. So she's victorious in that she kills the people who were killing her, but she still ends up demon food. Da 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 da. What was that scene there for? Like, if she'd have woken, if she'd had that little flashback and woken up and they were still mm-hmm. eating her, I would say, well, that's that's a weird thing to escape to. You'd yeah. think you'd escape to something positive, right? Yeah. So, like, then that should have meant something, but it doesn't mean no. anything. We come out of it and she's just meat on a hook again <laughs> so what did this mean what what do we take from this is the pack about anything about other than a woman going to the wrong place at the wrong time and getting killed like yeah i don't and maybe if i were clearer on exactly what exactly what the monsters are mm-hmm. and exactly what the rules of that like pertained and there seemed to be something to it, like like the way she was prepping her, like like she she uh, put that mark, burned that mark onto her yeah. back, and forced her to eat that terrible, vile food, and uh, you know, she was being prepared. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when the demons come out the first night, they kill one of the victims, but they don't kill her. And the guy even says, "It's very strange that they didn't kill you." <laughs> That they took her leg and left her hanging on the hook. Like, she's either going to bleed out that day or the following night yeah. they're going to show up and eat her. Like, that's what we're left with. What does it what? mean? <laughs> what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> There's the, and that's, that's what sucks because good performances, good production values, the creature design, pretty cool. Pretty cool. The way they came out of the ground. I like the sequence with the bikers in the house. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. To me, I just think panic makes strange yeah. bedfellows. Like, yeah, and, and I can accept that. <laughs> right? Uh, so, it's so close to being an interesting good movie. So frustratingly close <laughs> right? to being an interesting like, movie. You're most of the way there. <laughs> you're most of the way there. And, uh, you know, there's a whole crop of these French movies came out all at a bunch, like High Tension and, and Martyrs and Frontiers. And this one has kind of got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. But... I would still say if you wanted to get an idea of what people are talking about when they talk about that French horror aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's definitely present here. It's definitely present here. And it's not going to make you nauseous and make you, you know, hate yourself for watching yeah. it in the same way that a movie like Martyrs or Frontiers might. 
So, as hard as it is, it's a softer French horror movie. So if you wanted to sort of splash your feet in the water and you're mm-hmm. okay with the... I keep on saying Texas Chainsaw aesthetic, but I don't know really what to... It's like a demonic Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> I guess. It's a terribly grungy environment where unpleasant things happen yeah. to people. Um, it does that well, I guess, but they didn't close the deal for me. Yeah. at us go, Ashley. We just burned through those subtitled scares. We know what we're doing. Uh, thank you for returning yet again oh, to Rank and Review. We always love having Ashley on the show. Uh, and I promise, even though I make you record in a spooky garage or a spooky basement, <laughs> you have nothing to fear from the host and random Canadian Larry <laughs> So, even though I make you watch these horrifying movies, there's a lot of grim endings here. Yeah. A lot of grim endings. And the few movies that had happy endings, I don't know like how to feel about it. Like, I guess you could say Tokyo Zombie had a happy ending. <laughs> sort of, but I didn't like the people, so I didn't care. I wasn't happy. When it was over, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt similarly that I did in some of the unhappy endings. Was, I guess there was a relief in knowing that I would <laughs> no longer ever have to subject myself to Tokyo Zombie. But uh, I say with some idea of mm-hmm. what you're going to answer, what was your least favorite of these six subtitled scares, and why? Well, well, Larry, you're gonna you're gonna be entirely shocked to hear that Tokyo Zombie is gonna what? hit the bottom of my list. Um, because while it was unlike anything I'd ever watched, it is not like anything I ever want to watch. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Uh, so at number five, I'm going to put The Vanishing, uh, which is well made and well done and like, a very good film and certainly worth someone's time. But because I didn't care about the main protagonist character and actually found myself sort of more interested in the villain, villain uh, it it just kind of shocked that um, that rating down but quite a ending, bit for though. me. That ending was very strong. That ending <laughs> was very strong. And, you know, it's been 20-some years. Maybe it's time for another remake of The Vanishing where we keep the ending intact. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I cannot, I cannot shame the remake enough. <laughs> like, don't watch no, the remake, please. That, that sounds, that sounds like a bad idea. It sounds like a very bad idea. Uh, number four, I'm going to put the pack, uh, because while I did find like the, the intro engaging and the world engaging and the, like everything was really well done, it just didn't follow through with that punch. And, uh, so moving up number three, I'm going to put the eye again, very, very well done. Really interestingly visual uh, way of telling the story um just two endings too many yeah at uh number two night watch uh i had a lot of fun watching night watch i would watch night watch 
again, uh, <laughs> it's a rollicking adventure, good amount of balance of like humor to action to supernatural to um, like just just a really interesting world and really, I think, strong performances. And I yeah, I, I, I loved that movie. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, number one. And making making me cringe just thinking about it, but fuck yeah, come up and for shutter. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, I think I said overall last time we did subtitled scares, you had a stronger list, but we had movies like like Pan's Lab, yeah. and we had Tale of Two Sisters and Wreck Two. There was a little bit more variance to the styles, but um, for the most part, I would say if you're a cinephile, if you like horror movies, with the exception of the sixth place ranking Tokyo <laughs> Zombie. There's enough good in these movies that I think that they are worthy of looking. Like, I wasn't crazy about the pack, but I don't think anybody involved in that movie was, you know, everybody was in the right yeah. line of work. They knew how to make a shot work. They knew, you know, they knew how to make an effective icky scene. I, there was stuff that yeah. worked. Um, if you like movies, you like horror movies, and you want to have a little more international favor, flavor, not mm-hmm. favor, uh, five out of six of these are worth your time. Yeah. But Tokyo Zombie is a festering ball of shit. Like <laughs> I, I wish I could sugarcoat it more than that. Like, but but don't because if someone encounters this thing and sees the packaging, yeah. it looks so much fun. This would be amazing. <laughs> this should this be should amazing. be so good. And and like I said, I think that it's a little bit telling that it's not super easy to get your hands on a copy of this, and that people love the manga yeah. and make excuses for the movie. I am not going to make an excuse for that movie. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. <laughs> so, do not watch Tokyo Zombie. I think I've made my point pretty clear on that. In fifth place, I put the pack. Not quite, but we're really close yeah. other than this. And again, it's a matter of degrees. I do agree with you that it goes off the rails in the last few minutes. But it really is the last few yeah. minutes. <laughs> like... I, and I'm also always really frustrated with her choosing to trust her her kidnapper, mm-hmm. like more so than the bikers. To me, the bikers <laughs> the bikers was a choice made out of desperation. Okay. Like she's coming, and there's a bunch of evil right behind her. So maybe she'll have to deal with the bikers, but the bikers are going to have to deal with what's behind her first. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, again, the the strange detached approach to the movie took me out of it so that I didn't feel things too greatly emotionally Mm -hmm. and maybe that's good and that I wasn't devastated (laughs) by the bleak ending but it's worse in that it it just kept me less engaged I think I would be more if I was more scared for people Mm -hmm. I would have felt more watching the movie Keep an eye out on those French thrillers, though. I, there's something, <laughs> there's something really brutal about the way they handle specifically violence mm-hmm. and and uh, the cinematography. There's a feel to those French thrillers that is strong. All the way in fourth place is where I put the eye. And there's nothing really wrong with mm-hmm. the eye. It's a very familiar ghost story. We've seen, you know, I see dead people movies before. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I think that I snuck it down to the fourth place was, like you said, the the ending, there's something about the fact that she just reverts to where she started. Yeah. She became sort of a supernatural superhero. <laughs> and then she was like, no. <laughs> well, I guess it, was a cho- it wasn't a choice she made. Like, the, there was shrapnel that hit mm-hmm. her from the explosion that caused her to be blind. But it was, her blindness was the solution to her problems. Yeah. And I kind of, I, doesn't spoil the brew, like, still worth mm-hmm. a look. 
And as a, as a little sort of, you know, carnival ride pop jump scare, for sure. Yeah. Guess the job done. But uh, Third place is where I put The Vanishing, because it disturbed me. Yeah. And it was one of the first, I guess, bloodless thrillers that disturbed me. Mm-hmm. At that age, I would have been way into the things like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. the Halloween franchise, Friday the 13th franchise, full of things that were forbidden to me, right? <laughs> So The Vanishing really doesn't have a lot of that. It's not particularly sexual. It, there's Violence happens in it, but it's not a violent movie. Mm-hmm. The attack is psychological. Yeah. And this movie stuck with me. This movie stuck with me so much that, like I said, I was made angry by the remake mm-hmm. because they fucked it up so thoroughly. <laughs> um, but I do think it's a very effective movie. And as far as how Hollywood likes to treat crazy people... Like, either they're, <laughs> like, just completely over-the-top crazy, or they're, like, uh, super Machiavellian, hyper-intelligent, yeah. sees ten moves ahead of you all of the time, right? The scary thing about the killer in The Vanishing is how normal he mm-hmm. is. This guy could be your dad or your uncle. Yeah. And that's fucking scary to me. <laughs> so, there it is in third place. Um, I, I can understand. Is it, it? It feels like a 1989 movie too. Mm-hmm. It's also of all the movies in the set. I think it feels older somehow. Yeah. But it's got teeth to it. It does. In second place, Nightwatch. Visual spectacle, like wall to wall, like you don't tend to see or expect in foreign films yeah. for some reason. Um, they're totally capable of pouring millions of dollars into a production. <laughs> they don't do it as often as the, you know, the excited states mm-hmm. will, but it's kind of cool to see that and that slant on it. And I didn't have any of the lost in translation issues that I did with yeah. Tokyo Zombie. Like, if there was a joke that was specific to the city or to the to the audience, it either went by so quickly that I didn't register it, or you know. <laughs> Uh, I just interpreted it as something yeah. else. Just a, a glib comment made by a character. <laughs> but there's the world is full of details. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that it's a bigger world than what we're seeing. Yeah. And we get more in Daywatch. And we were supposed to get more in the third chapter. Yeah. But let's just, let's just hope. Let's put mm-hmm. our energy towards that happening. And, you know, go out and appreciate what we have. But Nightwatch secures the second position. And then, yeah, I'm going to agree with you that Shudder is number one. A lot of familiar aspects to this story. A lot of, you know, a spirit who was wronged in her death, wanting to get revenge. We've seen it before. Not like this. Mm -hmm. Not as creepy as this. And that sort of turn in your stomach when you realize that our protagonist is our villain. Because I think we're just trained to trust our protagonist that we're going to like this guy and he's going to work shit out. And Mm -hmm. then it turns out we don't like this guy and the way shit's going to work out for him is for him to live a life of brutal torment. Credit. But it's not as familiar or unsatisfying as the eye, and it's not as sort of lo-fi and cold as the vanishing. Yeah. Uh, the top two were probably the ones that I had the, the biggest struggle with. I think that there's a little bit more, there's definitely more going on in Night Watch, mm-hmm. but there's something a little bit more serious about yeah. Shudder. There's, there's, there's just an awful clarity to Shudder. Yeah, but they're close. They're yeah. close. Definitely watch the top two. Feel free to check out the top five. Yep. Avoid at all costs. Tokyo Zombie. I don't think I've said it enough times. <laughs> Avoid at all costs. This has been a public service announcement. Yes. Avoid watching Tokyo Zombie. <laughs> Avoid watching Tokyo Zombie. Ashley Pachkowski. Larry. Is there anything that you would like to say to the kids on the internet? 
And before we part company today. Just I'm... just keep listening. Keep this going, because it's a good time for everybody. We do we do love the rank and review. I know yeah. I like rank and review. <laughs> and we're coming up on the 100th episode, Holy which show. is exciting. Yeah. Can I ask your opinion on something? Yeah. So I'm coming up on the 100th episode, and I'm trying to figure out like, well, I know I'm going to do a double episode on the 100th episode, but mm-hmm. when we go on to 101 or whatever, I was thinking of, like, either putting a donation button, doing something on Patreon, or yeah. even, like, t-shirts or some kind of swag. I'm not looking to turn a profit no. off of R&R, but it's starting to cost me a little bit of money in yeah. internet feed, and I've done 100 episodes for free. <laughs> but I'm also a hypocrite, because mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts and almost never donate yeah. to any podcast so uh, what do you think that's a good idea I, <laughs> yeah no i i think i think there's there's absolutely no harm in doing that um i listen to quite a few podcasts that do like patreon so it's like in they're still podcasting it's still out there it's still free but if you want to yeah. if you're so inclined then there's like an easy option to to help keep things going and yeah. that's that's nice. I don't know. Like, I, I can't imagine selling a lot of R&R t-shirts or coffee mugs. <laughs> well, that'd be cool, but I don't think I'm there yet. But, you know. Like, there's a donation page and said, if you if you had it in you, throw me 25 cents an episode. Yeah. A quarter an episode. Yeah. How'd that feel? <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. Uh, or, or, you know, because the show is going to turn 100 soon. Yeah. Should I should I mix it up a little bit? Do you think I've been have this sort of thing where I sh- like to draw a line around two hours? Mm-hmm. Should I just let it be as long as it wants to be, or should I mm-hmm. you know stay disciplined? I don't know. I think I the know. shape and face of R and R might shift a little bit. Cool. And I'm looking for feedback. Cool, cool, cool. Um, you got nothing. I got I got <laughs> I got a whole lot of nothing. I like. Two hours is like a nice amount of time that I know I can dedicate to listening to a podcast. But on the other hand, more time of listening to Larry and his friends talk about movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for now, uh, you can find Rankin Review on Facebook and on iTunes. You can send me feedback at rankinreview at gmail.com. R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W. And if you want to send a message to Ashley, I can pass it on to her as well. Uh, I guess that will wrap up the 95th episode of Rankin Review. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Larry. So that was a quick and mean little episode of Rankin Review. A lot of grim fates were explored this episode. I'd like to once again thank Ashley Petschkowski for joining me. I know some of these movies are maybe a little bit out of her normal viewing habits, so uh, she's introducing herself to new things through the podcast, which is what I really like to hear, which was was sort of what I imagine my audience might be doing. If you discovered a movie because of Rank and Review, please do tell me about it. Send me that feedback. Please send me any feedback you have. Find the show on Facebook find the show on iTunes. And just know that I appreciate all the people that take the time to listen to Rank and Review. We're coming toward the 100th episode, kids, so I guess now's as good a time as any to get that megaphone out and sell, sell, sell Rank and Review. I'm proud of this show. So, uh, please help me spread the word. 